tell them here and let them be. Well, I got something deep inside of me. I can't hide it anymore. It needs to be so free. There's no time to let this tale get old. No, no, no. It's the best. Welcome to the show. My guest today in this episode is a comic book artist. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dawn Wing. Oh, hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Uh, fun fact, uh, like many guests on the series, you uh, are friends with my wife. And that's yes. how we know each other. Yes, I am. Uh, former classmates at the mighty Wellesley University. Go Blue, yay. Shout out to all the Wellesley listeners out there. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, uh, I, so, okay, here's a, here's a starter question. Mm-hmm. You know, Wellesley has a reputation. It sure uh, does. For a certain type of professional after graduation, right? Yep. Uh, so how did you get into what I would say is an unlikely profession of comic books? Oh, um, for Wellesley, for a Wellesley grad. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. Um, I wasn't even considering to go to Wellesley. I knew I wanted to go to an all woman school, liberal, get a liberal arts education, um, and, uh, leave home. (laughs) I'll get into that later. Um, yeah, long story short, my, my sister, my older sister went to Wellesley and convinced me to apply. Just apply. Okay. And I really wanted to go to Smith. And then senior year, I applied to most of the seven sister schools, or I should say some of them. And I did campus visits once I got accepted to, I got, so of the schools I applied to, Smith and Wellesley were schools that accepted me. And I made visits. And um, long story short, you know, I'm originally from New York City. I'm a city kid. So the fact that Wellesley's near Boston sold it for me and also some of the people I met there during my visit um you know they were they were unique characters and that's appealing to me I like to be where there are unique people like like Jin (laughs) who is a good friend of mine um I made from Wellesley so anyway um to answer your question I majored in art studio art and art history Um, oh okay yeah it's always been a passion of mine and um I didn't focus in illustration I focused on photography and I thought maybe I'd go into museum education or whatever. But long story short, um, I did know someone who graduated from Wellesley who became a comic book artist. And that was kind of my first exposure to like indie comics, people self-publishing their own comics. Oh, um, okay. And there was a comic book artist named Phoebe Glockner, who's phenomenal, um, who came to speak. The English department actually sponsored her, not the art department. And a housemate of mine on a whim, she's like, you should come see this illustrator, um, cartoonist. And her story, Diary of a Teenage Girl, which got turned into um, a film, uh, blew my mind. I mean, I had several people at Wellesley be like, you have to read that comic. It's it's not your, it's not like Archie. It's nothing like that. It's like really serious. Yeah. Goes into, I don't know if you've, have you read that? I heard of it. I, ha- I have not. But it's okay. I will add that to the list. Yeah. It's not an easy read. It's, 
you know, actually mostly text. Um, she's a phenomenal writer, and it's based on her diary growing up in San Francisco in the 70s, um, just in a very dysfunctional household um, and finds herself in a lot of situations with adults who, you know, exploit and abuse her. And it's really just heavy stuff, um, but she comes through. I highly recommend it. It's, uh, you know, I've read it twice and, you know, um, it's one of those books where it's just like if I were to read it again, it'd be a different experience and I would get different perspectives of it. From uh, it. So she was kind of sort of your trigger, like your your inspiration yeah, to get into it. For sure. Yeah. She was one of them, um, among others. I started to just go to there's a comic book store in Cambridge called Million Year Picnic. It's owned by an African American guy. Um and Tony, his name is Tony, and he was actually an early supporter of my self published work. So I did an art project. Um it was called a zine. A zine is a self published booklet basically and it was um, political in nature. I, it was right after 9-11, and so I wanted to do a photo zine um, on like racial profiling, and I did a survey of people um, my age, you know, their experiences going through airport security and comparing that to like um, this era in... Uh, so in France, the police they, department, they developed a way to... Um, it's called phrenology, I believe. It's like they had these photographs of these archetypal criminals. So it's like, oh, if someone has a crooked nose, it means that they are a thief or something. And so I did a lot. I, my zine was kind of like playing off of that comparison of just uh, preconceived prejudice and preconceived notions of, um, you know, who we think are terrorists and criminals. And, oh, wow. Yeah. So Tony bought copies of my zine because I went over my budget and <laughs> making copies for this class. And then he sold comics and I'm like oh I want to support this guy so I read Paul Hornsheimer's work he's an indie comic artist I believe based in Chicago um again just very philosophical like so Paul Hornsheimer has a background in philosophy so I always had an interest in like cartoonists that are very um versatile and are coming from you know uh you know just bringing in um very interesting, varied perspectives, um, and explaining, expressing themselves through illustration and visuals. So, well, that's, um, let the, I think that's a good segue into, mm-hmm. uh, before we get into your story, maybe we can quickly talk about the, the current, uh, comic book project that you're working on. Oh yeah. Because, uh, you know, we're currently recording in parts unknown mm-hmm. where, Dawn is on a research trip mm-hmm. for one of her projects. Uh, so why don't we, what would it like? Why don't we share what, share what it is sure. if you want to? Yes, I do. Uh, so the reason I um, came to California, one, one reason uh, was to do research on two Chinese American women. Uh, one woman is named Tai Lering Schultz. She's the first Chinese American woman to vote in a presidential election. Um, and the other is Tian Wu, and she was sold um, as a child slave in China in the 1880s um, to San Francisco and um, was ultimately rescued by a Presbyterian mission and became a translator for justice and an advocate for um, you know human rights and civil rights in her community. They both were. Um, and I became very fascinated about their lives through this exhibit called um, Herstory, the Ch- Chinese American um, legal history of woman. And this was at New York Public Library 
winter of 2016. And I was just so struck at how I didn't know about, um, I'm Chinese American, so I was like, why didn't I know about these uh, courageous, historic Chinese American female pioneers? Like, you know, like they, you know, there were Supreme Court cases, you know, having to do with like trying to get Chinese kids into American schools and and all that stuff. So I, um, anyway, so I was particularly pulled by Ty Laring Schultz, the Chinese American woman who was the first to vote in an election, um, because I was wondering, you know, what led her to that point and what happened after that point. Um, and it turns out quite a lot. <laughs> um, and so it's a work in progress. I do have pages up online. Um, and uh, I want to also connect that to um, the experiences of the other woman, Tian Wu. They, these, both, these women were both contemporaries during the um, era of the Chinese Exclusion Act. Um, which oh, was, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's, there's a lot of personal parallels. As I go through the research and illustrate their stories, um, I'm connecting a lot to it, too, as like a, a Chinese-American woman, you know, just trying to live my life and, yeah. um, you know, not allow obstacles um, around me to, like, deter me from just being who I am. Um, and if along the way it happens to be that I can open, pave the way, open the doors for other people behind me, that that's great. Um, um, just like they did. I think, you know, that, I mean, that sounds really fantastic. Uh, two comments. One, I think it's dope because, you know, I mean, I grew up this way. I don't actually think it's that much different, but, uh, you know, history books certainly tell one mainstream perspective and you have to find these other stories you know like you're doing right now um so i think that's cool that you're doing that um and then two uh i think like writer to writer uh, i'm always yeah i because i don't like you're doing writing how i feel like i should be writing which is like doing research and get every getting all your facts straight and uh trying to just immerse yourself in like the subject right um and i always admire people that do research on their writing i on the other hand i just write about my wife so i do no research sometimes there's a freedom in that like i think that this is a challenge because um the previous comics i've done and i hope to pick up again have been uh autobiofictionography i yes that term is i don't know if it was coined by cartoonist linda berry who is a mentor of mine she's out at the university of uh, Wisconsin-Madison currently. She's Filipina-American, um, phenomenal, groundbreaking artist. Like, she's changed my life um, and encouraged me to tell more personal stories. So she used that term for her own work, uh, which is based on her life as growing up Hapa in the Filipina household, Filipino household, um, like, during the 50s and 60s in Seattle. And so anyway, so that term just means, like, you know, it's, there's elements, you know, that are uh, based, you know, in, in one's lived experience, and there's elements that are, may not be true. But I think, you know, in terms of whenever we're telling stories, it's like, uh, I know I'm maybe digressing, but like, you know, sometimes me and my sister, if we commiserate on something, she remembers a moment differently than I do. I don't know if you ever had that experience, and it's kind of oh, like, sure. yeah, it's like, did I, did I make up that detail, or why did you... Th- think that the wall was green when it was yellow or something like that and so there's a freedom with fiction right it's like you can get more to the heart of the truth and not get hung up on did i get the facts right you know well i mean yeah i mean you know 
the memory's unreliable. Right. Basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Other, yeah. Otherwise, the, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, the legal system would be totally straightforward and awesome. Right. But like, yeah. Memory's unreliable. Uh, so, yeah, you, you run into different perspectives, interpretations, yeah. what you remember. Yeah how you remember things yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Part of the research process I've been doing is interviewing the grand adult grandchildren. They're like in their 60s and 70s of Tyler and Schultz. And the two siblings, one, she's in her 70s and her brother is like a decade younger. So they have a very different experience, you know, um, with because, you know, one was much older, right. but had more time with the grandmother than the other. And also she was female and he was male and this is like the 50s, you know, so it was just, it was interesting to interview them separately and hear like the different kinds of experiences they had with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's cool that like you got to meet the yeah. descendants and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah, we'll shout out the project, put it on our Yay. socials, all that. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I didn't expect to talk about uh, Chinese American comic book mm -hmm. stuff and independent comic book artists and mm -hmm. stuff so that was cool thanks but uh i think now we should probably launch into your your best uh story <laughs> never told that has never publicly been shared and probably personally and privately not that much either i would assume yeah so um i guess I'll connect it back to the comics. So, oh, okay. Yeah, like I guess I alluded to like difficult childhood stuff when I was like, I just wanted to get away from home, like as soon as I could. <laughs> like when college time rolled around, um, and I was fortunate that you know I was able to, you know, my parents were able to you know s provide and support and saved for you know um, the education of me and my siblings. I have an older sister and I have a younger brother. Yeah. Um, and. It, I guess okay anyway so so the comics that I have been doing um before this historical research project I'm currently illustrating um they were all just stories I've been wanting to tell for a long time and I just didn't know how to express it and but art was always my outlet right and um the key a key pivotal time was when I left um so when I went to grad school to get a master's in library studies um, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, but that was also the time when I happened to meet Linda Berry, that cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't anticipate taking cartooning classes, period, and no less with her, but it, it worked out. Um, I got into her class. It was an inaugural program on um, like cartooning, basically. And... Um, she just really took to me. I just felt so, I never felt like I had that kind of like, uh, attention or like, um, care, you know, from someone who took me seriously and saw potential in my artwork. And also more importantly, saw that how much it meant to me and also how it could help heal me. Um, she's just such an insightful person. She hasn't just, you know, pushed, help motivate me and inspire me to become a better artist, but she has also inspired me to become a better person oh, wow. um, and okay. teacher because she's a phenomenal, generous, giving teacher, super positive um, to everyone she meets and very giving of her time. And uh, I think what I appreciate the most from my experiences with her was how I, how she, she was open and believed me when I started opening up about just a lot of stuff uh, you know, dealing with my childhood. 
and like feeling invisible unheard and um like long story short like I um there's a period in my childhood when I like just stopped talking (laughs) um I was like seven years old and like my parents I think there's undiagnosed mental illness issues um Uh, oh wow yeah I I think it's you know my siblings and I have kind of talked about like my dad maybe he's a little autistic like he's he means well sometimes, but he had a lot of anger issues. And when we were young, it came, he, there was some physical abuse type stuff. And, um, and that's very frightening as a kid, because you're just Uh, like, you know, it's chaotic and we just could never predict, you know, and it's just like, what did we do wrong? And just feel awful. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, and my mom, you know, it was more, it was more kind of like psychological, emotional, abusive stuff. Like she could just one moment, you know, we'd be having, be finishing dinner and, you know, doing dishes or whatever. And then she'd flip out, you know, she'd start screaming and being like, why are these dishes so unclean? And why can't anybody do anything right? And it was just like this hysteria. And we're like, what's going on? Like, why is she always, and I just, that was our norm. Like we didn't know until we left that it's like, oh, it's not always like this. Like we don't, it's not, we don't always have to be on edge. And so as a kid, I was always like on edge and I could never relax. And I, there was a point, I think I just kind of shut down because I wasn't allowed to cry like I remember when I was I'm a sensitive person I was a sensitive kid so I would you know when I'm upset I would cry and she'd be like stop crying or like stop being a baby like why are you crying and so I had a lot of issues with that um and I would say my siblings do too but I can't speak for them all I can say is like I just had a lot of like emotional issues um and um a lot of issues in terms of communicating um I think just now I realize I know I'm jumping around like that it's like it's symptoms of PTSD, you know, like kind of shutting down, um, you know, and like just having very visceral like body reactions just to kind of like be safe or kind of cope. Um, Because when you're a kid in that situation, it's like, well, you depend on your parents. (laughs) You like can't, you know, what are you going to do? And um, yeah, so I, I, there was a moment I kind of stopped talking and my parents just didn't understand and they were frustrated because teachers were like, what's wrong with your kids? <laughs> she just like doesn't talk, you know? So uh, yeah. what can you say what grade you were in? I was in second grade. Yeah. So second grade. Yeah. You're just like, I'm not going to talk. Yeah. I kind of checked out. I kind of was um, okay. not overtly trying to rebel. I think I was, it was my way of expressing like I just didn't know what to do because I felt very helpless <laughs> uh, with yeah. the ho- being in a home environment where my parents had um, a lot of issues with themselves and therefore it came out with each other and then it came around. Just you can't, if, if people are not taking care of themselves or not realizing or not aware that there's something that is not right, you know, mentally, and emotionally, um, it just, um, I, I don't know, like even today, I think I don't have the closest relationship with my family, but they, um, yeah, it, it's just, anyway, now as an adult, I can kind of look back and just be like, they just, <laughs> they're a hot mess. And they just didn't, um, I still think today, I don't think they realize like they need, they could use help or therapy or something. <laughs> right. Um, um, but did, yeah, c- can I ask about this period of time? 
that you had about not uh, not talking sure oh um. yeah i actually wrote a comic about it oh you did yeah yeah oh. so the series um what you left behind um i've self-published it and it's also available online but i go to comics festivals and i love showing it because um it looks very childlike my and it's very colorful like that's what i enjoy mm-hmm. seeing and making and and it catches the attention of people and the most joyful thing about my work doing my work is being able to share it with other people yeah and like i've had some people uh, tell me or email me and say you know how they connected to it and that makes me feel good because for a long time um especially as a kid i felt very isolated like i felt like this you know how this is hell like am i ever gonna get out of this you know and i felt very alone because i think the other adults in my life like my teachers like they didn't understand yeah yeah um so yeah so you so you've expressed this through art mm-hmm. but you've you haven't actually really talked about right it yeah in a, in a conversational way or, or at least yeah publicly yeah uh, okay yeah wow, okay yeah i've taught it's more in a visual creative way my comics tend to be very quiet like they don't there's not a lot of text to it mm. um because i really i think it was very cathartic for me to kind of go back and like I see it when I make comics, I can't, it's sort of like I'm storyboarding for like yeah. a film or something. And so it's like that play by play, the close ups and all that stuff. And to re-experience that helped give me perspective as an adult. It's like, Oh, I was like, I was like a kid that went through a lot of shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, of course this kid would just shit. Like it was, it helped give me, so the character, her name is Janie. And so I think for me to see, Oh, I'm not, her anymore there is a part of her and me and me and yeah. her but um i'm okay now but that like i think that that was a starting point to help me realize like i have something really big i need to to deal with <laughs> like, well, yeah i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna save yeah that question yeah for a little bit towards the end but i yeah. wanted to get back to this like second grade mm-hmm. uh, oh sure yeah you know just to get some details Mm -hmm. about it um did you so you're like i'm not gonna talk Mm -hmm. was it the whole second grade or like half a year or like do you remember yeah i remember it was like in the spring it was closer towards the end of the school year so it wasn't for the whole year but you know what dave honestly i really didn't talk very much (laughs) i was not a talk like if you didn't meet yeah i was a really quiet kid up until like third grade Okay. I, I feel like I don't even really remember talking but, to anyone. Yeah. But especially, just, you had kind of a, a protest of sorts, right? A silent protest kind of a yeah. thing a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if I was conscientiously, you know what I mean, like resisting. I think I just, it was partially, like I think I just shut down. Okay. Yeah. Um, did your, like did your parents take it as like you're regressing, you're having a learning disability, like you're... You know, did they take it that way? Like, oh, she can't talk now because there's uh, educational issues with her or? Uh... No, my, I remember my mom after one conference with the, my teacher and probably a counselor because I got sent to the school counselor um, yeah. and it turned out my siblings did too. Not a surprise. Um, and there was, I don't, my, I guess my siblings were acting out and, or whatever. Anyway, I can, for me, my mom, I remember after a, that meeting she says to me 
she's like you know you're just doing this the being mute she's like you're just doing this to get attention so my mom mm. read it to she took my action to be i'm just being a brat <laughs> yeah. you know or someone who is just uh and i'm like that was not the reason why i if anything it was the opposite i wanted to be more invisible so for oh, for me not saying anything i was hoping it would steer attention away because at home a right. lot of times there was you know, when my parents would lash out, it'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? So I, but I didn't know that that would actually do the opposite. Like my teacher, that would draw more attention. Um, oh, like you, you didn't expect it to go the opposite right. way. Yeah. yeah. I was hoping, I was like, I just want to shrink, be so silent that I'm invisible and no one will notice. I just like, leave me alone. But then the opposite happens when right, you yeah. actually get noticed because yeah. you're, un, I guess, particularly quiet yeah, and uh, yeah. unresponsive. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I... Well, I don't, you know, anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll kind of lead into... I'm, I'm leading into what I hope will be, like, a amazing finale question. Oh. <laughs> but I want to, like, build to it. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I... I'm fortunate enough to have grown up in an overbearing environment mm -hmm. where like I had doting parents mm -hmm. and worry warts and mm -hmm. you know, they cared too much, for, mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, yeah, that kind of thing. So I didn't, so I'm fortunate in that. So I'm just curious, you know, cause I don't know that, mm -hmm. that life of like, you basically grew up in a toxic environment, mm -hmm. right? So how, like what did going to college, what did that represent for you? Like, were you like, I can't wait to go. I know they're like, how, what was like your kind of, mentality uh i was i was grateful to have the chance to be more independent and just to live my life but i think that was the onset of me and i didn't realize at the time um just being really angry and depressed <laughs> um i never really called home i didn't have much to say to my parents and they didn't take too well to that particularly my mom and usually our conversations would be her being, you know, saying things like, oh, I just, I never hear from you. I guess you just don't care if I'm dead, you know, like shit like that. And I'm like, okay, mm. well, you know, that doesn't help. And it's, you know, it never, it was always this weird negative, like, uh, you know, like get off of me, you know? And so I carry that energy, um, and call, I was very angry <laughs> and I was isolating. I self-isolated a lot. Um, I, I literally like was in the dark room most Friday nights and everyone, you know, when everyone else is like going to parties or whatever. And I just wanted to be left alone. And I think some of my friends may have noticed. Um, and uh, that's, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's interesting to yeah. me of like, I, I guess the, 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 the assumption, mm -hmm. right. Is you, you, are leaving a toxic environment, freedom, mm -hmm. yeah. do whatever. But yeah. then actually you still harbored a lot of anger, resentment, just you. Yeah. Like, like, like you were saying earlier, like, like a PTSD, yeah. like, like you're still yeah. shell shocked yeah. from this home life yeah. that you're in college, although you're independent, you're yeah. still like, and also yeah. anxiety. Also, yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I'm still working on this too, but um, it was hard for me to open up. I, you know, I saw a lot of my peers just kind of having more ease, just connecting to people. And 
Whereas I didn't realize it at the time, but now looking back, I was a very guarded person. And I mean, I'm even lucky I'm amazed I made <laughs> friends at all, like yeah, who yeah. are loving people and very caring. And, you know, but I, I think, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, it was really hard for me to trust people <laughs> and to feel comfortable and open up to people and take, I guess, more chances. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. kind of like in a way of something I'm just just coming to my mind of mm-hmm. like uh, it can make you risk at first. Yeah, like this type mm-hmm. of environment mm-hmm. Uh, you, mm-hmm. where you might think it's the opposite. Like I'm away from my mm-hmm. you know parents who've you know had had done stuff to to my life. Yeah, it was you know. I like to, I like to explore. I'm an, I'm a curious person. I guess for me, what happened was like a lot of self-sabotaging, um, mm. that has happened in my life mm. where I, I would be like, okay, I'm going to leave a situation I'm not happy with, you know, like, let's say I used to be a, a public school teacher and that's a stable job and my mom's in public education too. And, but it wasn't for me. I was like, you know, I'm a creative person and this is just soul talking, <laughs> you know, like the current public education system as it is and being a teacher in it is just whatever. It wasn't for me. I liked working with students and doing comics with them. I taught English as a second language. But um, I learned to kind of like make those hard decisions on my own and not consult my family because they would, I knew that they would try to sabotage, like kind of be like, don't take risks, you know, cause they're very risk averse and I'm pretty sure it's because they had trauma stuff happen to them and whatever, yeah. um, never dealt with it. <laughs> and then it was just like intergenerational trauma. So, um, you know, I would, I would be able to take those first steps, but sometimes I would have panic attacks or, you know, kind of be like, up, oh, up, oh, up, oh, I'm going to not go there. You know, it's like, there's a new opportunity, you know, yes, there's uncertainty, but you know, can't handle it change too much and um anyway so it's like yeah it's frustrating for me because I feel like it holds me back like I am a person who wishes I could who I know I I have the potential to just like yeah go out and and do my thing and be free but I know sometimes because of stuff like I think it's a lot of physiological stuff that I have to work on um that I am working on through um therapy specifically somatic experience therapy i'm learning so much right now what yeah so okay so this is i'm going all over the place but no it's all good um i'm i i love podcasts so hey uh and i'm glad that you have yours because it's really important for people to have a platform to just share something that i think can reach and resonate with a lot of other people um particularly if there are issues that may be stigmatizing or people yeah. feel ashamed of like mental health stuff but um so there's this podcast hosted by paul gilmartin um he's based in la I th- he was a comedian he is a comedian yeah yeah and anyway so it's called mental illness happy hour i don't remember how i stumbled upon it <laughs> okay I, I really don't remember but it's good listen to it if you haven't sure we'll we'll shout out other yeah podcasts. yeah yeah I, I don't have an ego Oh, sorry. No, I don't. Should I? Okay. I'll shout out anybody. Yeah, no, you know, yeah. there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of commonality. And anyway, so it, his listening to stuff is amazing. It's just, he interviews uh, all sorts of people. They could be his comedian friends, fellow listeners, blah, blah, you know, everyone under the sun, very diverse. And um, it was very, it's comforting for me to listen to it because I'm like, oh, you know, like 
even though I may not know what it's like to be schizophrenic or know someone mm. who is like, you know, listening to someone who is going through something like that or dealing with a parent who is, is like, wow, compassion, right? So anyway, so one of the episodes, there is a woman who talked about doing somatic experience therapy, which is um, hands-on. It kind of deals more with like how we hold trauma in our bodies and release it. And so you have someone who like works with you to kind of, release okay um like ptsd symptoms like that's in the body um which i have <laughs> like for a long time i'm like i always had very restricted like tight muscles it runs in my family oh, interesting. and it just but that feeling is just like it does play a role in terms of like um like living your life being able to live your life more freely it just kind of makes um, sense if you're physically yeah tight (laughs) that's gonna make Uh, an impact well let me uh let me get to the finale question sure okay i think i think this all leads up to it actually quite nicely Mm -hmm. uh so you've artistically Mm -hmm. shared this story to the world Mm -hmm. artistically right you've never spoken about it Mm -hmm. you've now sought uh to have self-care for yourself Mm -hmm physically Mm -hmm. so I guess why did you you know like was it hard to not talk about something that you're visually putting out in the world or like why did you decide to now speak on I guess the meaning of your early comic book yeah because or or like the work dealing with your family was work you actually weren't talking about Mm -hmm. you just put it out there yeah right so you were kind of in a way like that mysterious artist that's not explaining yeah their stuff yeah uh and now this is kind of like a public yeah way for you to actually do it Mm -hmm. so um i guess how do you feel doing that right now and like why did you choose to do it Mm -hmm. in this lovely podcast (laughs) that i've created with my wife shout out to my wife yay um well recently i just found out i think it's this year may 10th is asian pacific american mental health awareness day um and i just discovered that uh there's like a youtube like abc news clip on that and i was like oh and that's great it's important i think it's just um I just think that among like the Asian Pacific American community, it's still taboo. I think it's changing that um, in terms of like talking about mental illness and for sure being able to talk yeah. about toxic environments instead of like repressing everything, <laughs> which is a cultural thing. At least in my family, it's whatever. Um, and uh, and I also personally feel like I um, I've shared with it with some people and. I think if certain friends haven't dealt with their own issues, I think they kind of look at me in disbelief. And I, I, anyway, I guess my message is like, I'm glad I'm sharing it. It's really more for me (laughs) just to, just to admit like I'm dealing with PTSD issues. Like this is real. I need to take care of myself. It's legit. I think for a long time I shoved it down and was like, Dawn, just woman up. Like there's nothing. I'm, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. And then, but I think I, and also, um, uh, I want what I want to also say is um, it is a process t- to to seek help and finding the right therapist. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'm going all over the place, but I'm like, okay, a like if you're not feeling good, 
it's like, it's okay. It's okay to not feel okay. <laughs> like, don't be ashamed of it. I think it took me a long time to like, just sit with that and be like, that's normal. Like a lot of people go through that. Um, uh, and yeah, just find ways to like address that issue to heal however you see fit, um, however you're able to. Um, for me, uh, when I was at Wellesley, that's when I started to go see a therapist. Um, and the counselors were all right. <laughs> you know, it took me a decade going through seeing at least a dozen different people uh, before I found a really great person that I have like a great rapport with. Um, it's very intuitive. Um, I feel comfortable like, you know, when he's working, particularly like in my upper body chest area that has whole held on to a lot of this stuff <laughs> from yeah, childhood yeah. Yeah. um it's just like wow this is like a be- it's beautiful it's a beautiful journey i finally feel like at 35 i'm in a place where i um like there's hope like i can get better like it doesn't like you know there is a period of like depression kind of like a hopelessness like i was like what's the point of all this like i just you know i'm like no it's okay i'm dealing with like stuff that um happened to me at an early age and i just need to process that physically and emotionally um and just give myself that time you know like um just be gentle with myself be patient um and uh so anyway i just i just wanted to share it so that to add to like the stories that other people's have all as particularly Asian Pacific American women have shared like Christina Wong and, um, you know, who did Wong flew over the cuckoo's nest and she shared like statistics on how a lot of APA women, um, you know, don't seek help for depression. And unfortunately a lot of them like take their lives and all that stuff. And I'm like, don't, you know, like, it doesn't have to be that way, you know, yeah. like I know that like, a, you know, yeah. Anyway, so I, I think sharing it for me is, is just like, yeah, you're not alone. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I like that. I like yeah. that, you know, yeah, I mean, you're doing this for you. Self-care is important yeah. because, um, and I've realized this, uh, as an adult, uh, that, um, you know, you caring about yourself mm-hmm. is a way for you to care about others. Yes. Right. Yeah. Cause you, you get yourself right. Mm-hmm. That puts you in a good yeah. position to do the responsibilities you might have as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, if you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. if you have mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you're just a good relative to someone mm-hmm. else or a friend, yeah. like whatever, you know, you, you actually, you do play a role in other people's lives. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you can't like take care of yourself, yeah. it just makes, yeah you're not doing yourself any service so um yeah shout out to Mm self-care take care of yourself uh thanks for really sharing Mm. i'm i'm flattered that you would just take this opportunity to kind of do something for yourself like that's cool that's cool to me thanks and uh and like in, in your healing process i guess you could say which yeah, I guess it's ongoing, mm-hmm. right? It's not mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. you're done with it. No, um, yeah. you know, we're all affected by yeah different traumas yeah. from our lives. So, um, yeah, sh- uh, thanks so much, Don, oh. for being on the show. Uh, we'll shout out uh, all your stuff on our social media and stuff. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, it was. Um, I hope this helps 
someone out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right in. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll put the Don's information for you for all the new fans you'll have oh. <laughs> for who will be exposed to your comics uh, yeah. now. Uh, and uh, yeah, talk soon. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Ready for another episode? Well, check us out at beststoryinevertold.com or also find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or a number of other podcast aggregators. And if you're interested in sponsoring a future episode of this series, please contact us at beststoryinevertold at gmail.com. <laughs>